0: What am I
1: to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit BrandRusso.com.
0: Hi, it's Jackie Russo, and you're here with us for Razor Branding Live, the video hour-long interview edition. And today, we're talking to Johnny Blancher with Rockin' Bowl. Johnny, welcome to the show.
1: How me on, Jackie?
0: I'm so glad you're here. So we actually met officially in real life for the first time yesterday, right?
1: <laughs> hard to believe. We're, I know, we're practically it, neighbors.
0: I think we are, and I feel like we've been, you know, in the same places near yeah. each other. I've been to your place a bunch of times, but it was the first time we've been able to sit down at a table um, and not talk about this, but talk about work stuff. So it was nice to now have this opportunity to get to know you even better.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, and uh, it's like likewise. It was, it was actually fun to, to chit chat yesterday and. You know, hatch plans
0: exactly. Well, and I appreciate the passion that you bring to downtown Lafayette because you've been doing it in New Orleans for a long time. They've had the advantage of your vision and your energy, and now you're bringing it here. So let's start there. Talk to me a little bit about that move. What was that like?
1: Well, uh, it was it was fun. It was a- exhilarating. Uh, you know, the the energy level that it takes, of course, to be in this business, much less uh, you know, move to a new city and uh, put all the pieces and parts together of a construction project like this of course it takes a lot uh, uh but at the same time you know it's something that's that's rooted in our family you know my mother's from Vermilion Parish and uh you know she grew up on a cattle ranch there Cow Island Forkett Island area and uh you know all the, her family the Cuvion has been there forever they're still very entrenched there and uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of family in Lafayette itself. So this is a place where we, uh, you know, we, we were very familiar with and always loved. Uh, it, it just was something that never got off our radar. Uh, and, and, and you know, certainly Katrina played a part in that. I mean, we, we right. evacuated. Here, but right. That that's really kind of the the nuts and bolts of the background of how we ended up here.
0: Well, it's nice to have you back. So you get here, you open up, you're rocking and rolling, pun intended, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you've got to shut down for the pandemic. Talk to me about the pivot, because I've been real impressed with what y'all been doing, having concerts inside that you're broadcasting to a big screen outside so people can pick up curbside food, sit in their cars, and watch a show.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, there, was, there wasn't there was a plan when, this, when, when they <laughs> shut down, yeah. Uh, You start looking at all the different ways that you, you know, what are your assets, right? What do you, what do you do? Well, what do you have at your disposal? Uh, What do people think about when they think of you, you know, like all those things start running through your head. You got, I got to do something Uh, you know, it certainly plays a part Uh, you know. So to say that we had a plan when this hit, you know, would be a total farce, you know, right. But, you know, we, we knew we had some assets still that, that were, uh, you know, we thought, you know, could, could help people to continue, uh, you know, not just the, not just, of course, the customer, you know, the customer's looking for some sort of outlet. We've always been that entertainment place where you could rely on us for, for, you know, hopefully great hospitality, but also just something to do while you're, uh, enjoying music or bowling or or great food or, you know, the, the all the little things we have to offer. Uh, but then when they say you can't do it the way you've been doing it and we don't know how long you're going to it's going to be before you can. Then it, it you start really thinking. So, you know, we saw the drive ins uh, start to, you know, in some places in the world, Europe, uh, a couple in California and and other places and I said, you know, that's, that's a play. We, we're doing live music. They do movies, but we could still do it. I had a buddy, Dolph Federico with Pelican events. Uh, I you know, I I figured he had a screen called him, you know, he's got the FM transmitter so you can broadcast it to the cars. Uh, you know, got on the phone with, uh, guys in LA that, uh, And had some that, you know, we know from years ago with the movie biz uh, being in and out of Louisiana all these years. uh, Hey, help us. Tell us how all this technology works. Uh, How how do you mix? How do you mix the audio? Right. You know, uh, and and get it all synced up with the video and actually put it out on more than one social media platform. And, right. Uh, I don't want to just go to one Facebook page. I need to go to five, six, 20. What, what, what can I do? So, uh, you know, uh, what cameras to use? Uh, you know, all these kind of things. Uh, like Chuck Credo, uh, Beau St. Pierre, uh, these guys, you know, Credo agencies. They, we've been friends for years. They're the mixed nuts band and, right. and any other tribute bands. And uh, a bunch of those guys play with Mark Broussard. Mark's on a couple of the calls with us. We're all just trying to learn as fast as possible. So we took about two weeks, uh, where we just learned, started ordering equipment, uh, trying to get it here. You know, that was, that was difficult. Right. And then eventually we, uh, we had something that we thought was certainly better than what we were seeing, uh, you know, and it's so far, it looks like, I mean, we're one of the few live music venues, even in the big boy arena that, uh, that put something together. And I think it's been great for the artists to be able to get some Venmo money in and, uh, you know, collect some donations. Some, uh, were on, you know, are, were incorporated. And so they, instead of doing that, they decided that they were going to do something for charity. And, uh, you know, whether it's Music Cares or the uh, Jazz and Heritage Foundation and, all, you know, all kind of other, you know, charities that are music related, able to collect money for that. Uh, and now I think we have a long term platform. Yeah. I mean, we, we have something that's not just going to be temporary.
0: Well, and I'm starting to think of how you take this now and extend it. So festival next year, mm-hmm. you can have people inside and once you reach capacity, you can live stream to outside, and people can still right. be a part of the music.
1: Right, and and then and then exponentially grow the footprint through social media. So you know, look, we don't know whether or not this is going to be something that's a subscription based on the back end of our website, right? Or if there's there's a couple of other platforms out there, but or is it a Facebook Live uh, where all we're doing is asking for tips uh, for the band, right? But uh, what we did was, and, and we just actually invested even more as, you know, and I feel like I'm crazy uh, <laughs> for doing it I believe it you right are, so now. that's okay. But we went and invested heavily so that we could get permanent uh, cameras put in place in both New Orleans and Lafayette wow. so that we can do this even after, you know, once we get up and running. So now there's the ability, there will be, and and already is really, but uh, but it's a temporary setup right now. But in a permanent setup, we can then broadcast to the world. There's lots of people that come in for Festival Acadien. Uh, they come in for Festival International. Uh, they come in for New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, and and others. You know, throughout the year, French Quarter Fest. They come in from all over the world, right? And they're coming to get a taste of our culture, right? Uh, you know, across all of South Louisiana, whether it's the old swamp pop stars or some of the Uh, Newer, newer guys like I mean, you know, he's the Cajun Bruce Springsteen for God's sake. uh, Dustin Gaspar, I mean, he's this, you know, he's I know he's young right now, but this guy's great. So they're going to be they're coming in for everything in between, and now they will be able to potentially see them online right there in their own homes. And somebody gets inspired and decides, you know what, I want to give this guy a hundred bucks, right? And they're going to so the artist is going to be able to keep. A hundred percent of that. And we, we're, we've set up this infrastructure so that they have another outlet, you know, for their music. And I think it's going to strengthen a relationship with uh, rock and bowl and the, and the artists. Uh, But then, you know, on our end, we get uh, a different type of exposure worldwide. Uh, We also end up with a, uh, you know, we, we then end up with all this audio, video, all this content. Right. And so now there's there's endless things that we can all do together to promote our brands and promote South Louisiana.
0: You know, I, I love the way you're thinking about it. Uh, when I worked in L.A. a few decades ago, um, I had the honor of working for a man named Barry Diller. And he was really oh, all about wow. content. And his um, vision of where we're heading, you know, we're talking about being two steps ahead. He was that guy. He yeah. looked ahead and realized in the 90s that the people who created the content and then could purpose it on all these different platforms and have the opportunity to, you're watching the TV show Friends, you see them sitting on that couch, you click a button, you buy the couch they're sitting on. He knew that's where we were heading. And what yeah. you're doing is taking that same concept and running with it on the music side. I love that.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. And and look, Barry Diller. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. We'll talk after
1: because- That guy- <laughs> That's another level. Yeah, yeah, it really was. My
0: years my with I would love to him. hear all about that. Uh, well, some things I signed an NDA on, but there's some things I can talk about that are amazing,
1: <laughs> just amazing. I'm sure he was smart enough to get those.
0: Whoo! Yeah, no, it was. Um, I was his right hand for years. It was awesome. Uh, Deborah Darbone's watching. Uh, two of my uh, favorite people. Debbie. I mean, I love her so much. I this love that she loves
1: you. That's awesome. <laughs> Long time friends and. Uh, uh, Debbie's been one of the biggest supporters of the Rock and Bowl before we were even in Lafayette. So, right. uh, you know, love you, Debbie.
0: She's great people. We tailgate together for Cajun's oh, football. Wow, really? And so we get to spend every weekend together in the fall, and I love it. It's some of my always, favorite times.
1: I've decided that there's like seven Debbies. <laughs> she's she she finds a way to be everywhere she
0: really is i believe she has been cloned mimi kelly's watching she says it's good to uh, see your face hey, mimi
1: uh <laughs> mimi uh it, legatus uh chapter of new orleans Mimi oh, okay. is the backbone there and uh and you know we've we've done a lot together over the years and it doesn't happen without mimi
0: right right
1: she's a she's a rock of that
0: well, that's um, there's some good strong people there too. We got to do the marketing for First Bank and Trust for years and years and years. Oh, um, uh-huh. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So I went from Barry Diller,
1: <laughs> yeah, to the New Orleans version. Yes, uh, the man, <laughs> <laughs> the man, <laughs> the myth, and the, the legend. Uh, he's an uh, he was actually uh, he's been somebody that has been a great mentor for uh, my father and I, and, uh, and and would have never known him if it wasn't for the Legatus. Uh, Right. Uh, chapter.
0: Right. I mean, amazing. Amazing. So as you look at the pivot that y'all had to do during the pandemic, and I love that you're seeing the vision of how that sticks around and you get to do more now. Um, yeah. What businesses have you watched and seen the, some of the things they've done and you thought, man, that was smart. That was clever. I love the way they pivoted.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, lo- locally, you've got a few that, uh, you know, I don't know, JT Malik, right? Goes amazing uh, hand sanitizer right. uh, instead of vodka. Right. Right. Uh, we, we've heard a, a lot about that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's some that I think they were already working on, uh, being more the back end of their restaurants were already set up to do more takeout. So they were able to be there quicker, uh, online companies, companies that had already shifted online, uh, you know, there, there's the shipping of food product. Uh, some were really working hard to figure out how to package South Louisiana food. And, uh, I mean, there's a local companies and, and they excelled when this happened. They were positioned well. I think I, I admire that when you're positioned mm-hmm. well. Right. And that, you know, you didn't necessarily pivot, but you were ahead of the game. You saw something else coming and then something like this happens and you're already ready even though this wasn't why you did it, right? Right. Uh, you know, there was, uh, what is it? L- lava Lava Cantina, Lava Cantina, the uh, the music, they're a large venue, Dallas okay. area, they've got mm-hmm. a few of them. Uh, they pivoted with the drive-in in a big way. Uh, they're, they're, they're a much different company from us, but uh, their production value was has been spot on, been great. Right. Uh, and then, you know, in the restaurant business, uh, it, you know, I, it, we've got Rouse's who, Rouse's pivoted and they pivoted to our benefit, you know, to restaurateur's benefit. You know, some of us had relationships with, you know, I, I used to do everything from sell dog food for them to, uh, <laughs> to, to, you know, things like, uh, you know, we, we, it was a, sh- where the chef's shop, you know, Marcy Nathan with, uh, right. uh, with the Alfred agency and she, you know, I think she's in house now with Rouse and She, you know, she's the marketing, uh, and she, she had this campaign that, that she had done. And a lot of us that were chefs in the new Orleans area, uh, you know, were were working with her. And then Fifteen years later, she's ready to go because she had already put together a platform to uh, bring our products into their stores. So they you know, cut through the red tape immediately. Uh, myself and many others were able to go get so yield collagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, was you know we were able to get into the three stores here in uh, in Lafayette, three stores in uh, New Orleans. Now we're working on being in all 64 stores, wow. you know, even after this is over. So, you know, that's a big deal. And that's and, huge. Uh, and it's been a it's been a shot in the arm for us to have a way to sell our product and to keep our brand out there. Right. And there's many uh, other restaurants that they did that for. Uh, obviously, they couldn't fit everybody, but everybody that had been in good relationship with them had, had relationship from the past they reached back out to. And I think there's a little bit of loyalty there from on their end, the Rouse's families that, that they did that for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, 15 years later, they didn't forget. I got to, you know, I won't forget that. Well, I think that says a
0: lot about local businesses and local relationships. And I think when we look at the banks, who the community banks who were able to help facilitate so many of those early PPP loans when the yep. big banks were ignoring us locally. I think yeah. that's really important. And so another example of local relationships. Oh yeah. You through. need
1: local banks. Yes. You yes. can't, uh, this, this, con- Oh man, that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast, but it it's, it's very, it, look the the banking relationship having a personal relationship with your banker is so important when they understand your business and how it works that uh that's a big deal and right. and you know look can you get that with a with a large bank if you have the right person locally uh, i i guess you can I'm sure you can sure but if it's a local bank from the start there's a way better chance at, at having a relationship and and for them to understand what it is that you need so that you can pay them back one day.
0: Right. That's exactly right. (laughs) How have you kept your team connected during this time?
1: Yeah, well, so emails and uh, uh, all the different apps out there for communicating. Sometimes I'm a little overwhelmed about how many lines of communication. Um, uh, We've held meetings, uh, some in person, you know, for training, for Mm -hmm. retraining. Uh, and just try to immediately communicate with everyone and, and let them understand that, you know, here's my cell phone number. Uh, before you assume that one, one thing's one way or the other, call us, call me, call somebody and, uh, and find me, because, you know, you, we, we better set up a clear line of communication if everybody's going to go into lockdown. Right. Uh, I think that Katrina helped us with this because we you know when we had that uh that it, all of a sudden evacuation which is really how it played out you know this whole myth that uh Katrina you know we had this big warning and we were able to, that that was you know that's all great hindsight thinking right uh so when that happened we had no lines of communication we were literally you know not well of course cell towers down and all that kind of stuff too but we also didn't have contact with what, with all, like, where did everybody go? Right. Did, where did uh, Ronnie Moore, the fry cook, end up? Uh, you know, I, I, we have no idea, right? And he has no idea where we are. Right. Uh, so we had some procedures in place already. Uh, we, you know, each year, right before hurricane season, we make a, a stack of business cards that, aren't really my business card or anybody, but it's a list of everybody that, uh, that, you know, that my family, right. My, myself, my wife, my father, my brother-in-law, my sister, uh, you know, it's all of our phone numbers, exactly how to reach us and where we are, if we evacuate. Right. So we already know where we're evacuating to, and this is how you find us. Uh, so that, that goes out each year. And I think that that, Uh, and, And, oh, and procedure, like moment you get to wherever you're going, this is what you do, right? You call this, you email this and you say this, this, this and this, right? So that was already in place. So we didn't need those cards for this, but we did. It did help us have a template to, hey, this is the information we all need,
0: right? Right. It's similar to uh, the Patrick Taylor Foundation. Uh, When Katrina hit, they had a whole plan set up and it was to evacuate to here if there was ever a big enough hurricane. And Mr. Taylor put that in place uh, when he was still alive and running the company. Mrs. Taylor, as you know, is from Vermilion Parish. Uh And so they all came to Lafayette. So they set up headquarters here. And to watch them flip that switch following the same guidelines y'all have everybody's got a list everybody knows what they're doing and they just like picked it up in a kit and moved it and set it up again and they were up and running the next day that's amazing to me
1: it is you know of course leave it to patrick taylor to be a thousand steps ahead of everybody i had to learn after the fact you know (laughs) so if it ever happens again I, i think i have a little better shot this time but right uh (laughs) But the
0: companies that survived Katrina, I think, were better prepared for COVID because they've already been through it and they know how to adapt when these things happen.
1: Look, it is so different. The COVID Katrina thing, it's so different. You know, the decision making that we're doing now is so different. But, But there's so many similarities that I think South Louisiana in general, because it's not just Katrina. You know, I mean, Lafayette's been hit. A couple times. Quite a few times, you know right uh, I know that it's all never you know nothing's ever been on the Katrina scale, but you know we we do have a clue about how to deal with disaster and we are, I think it you know there's something in the DNA about how we kind of maneuver the oil field. Right. the oil field in South Louisiana. How many times is it you know roller coastered and and people learn how to position themselves to adapt
0: right, right uh Gaynell leonard says what your family has done for this community is heartwarming god bless
1: uh thank you Gaynell. see That's, people
0: are watching i think it's yeah, important yeah. johnny i think it's real important so did you grow up playing in the the lanes did you grow up as a bowler is was this your lifelong ambition oh, to join wow. the pba you
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> no you know we've always been uh uh you know rock comes before bowl in the rock and bowl uh you know we we were baseball guys football guys you know we uh my my family you know we've always been uh big baseball fans my father had no clue about bowling uh you know he, i was 12 years old when he bought the old mid-city lanes on tulane and uh Carrollton and uh he knew nothing about bowling he admitted it, it a matter of fact that's what almost stopped him is that I, I don't know anything about bowling uh but he was looking for something to get his entire family involved in and uh you know, uh, he had made a trip to Medjugorje, Yugoslavia at my mother's urging, you know, you got to go. Something special's happening there. And the Blessed Mother was appearing there. He went there, didn't see any visions. You know, there was there were, there were but he came away certain that something special was happening here, that the Blessed Mother was appearing. She just didn't appear to me. That's how, you know, he so he put a petition on the mountain there asking for something to get his entire family involved. And he was back a week. When uh, a buddy of ours that was doing pro bono work for as a CPA for uh, the Knights of Columbus Foundation of all things, right? Wow! Uh, they owned Mid City Lanes and they were losing money hand over fist uh, for years. And uh, asked him, "Hey, you want to hear a business deal? You want to you want to buy a bowling alley?" And know, he's like, "Man, I don't know anything about bowling." <laughs> so. <laughs> But I asked for something, right? So he thinks, well, if I asked for something, I would at least look at it. He put in a ridiculous little offer, and he ended up getting it. And then he had to negotiate a lease, and then uh, they said no. And then uh, you know, then all of a sudden, uh, midnight on Halloween. So he took over at the stroke of midnight, All Saints Day. Uh, all of a sudden, he's in a bowling alley that's upstairs in a bad neighborhood at the time. It was terrible, and uh. You know, on one way in, one way out. It was a, it was, it looked so stupid. But he knew that he was, you know, he was working on a prayer. Right. And, uh, and he just went to work, buried his head, and the whole family went to work for him. Uh, you know, so at 12 years old, yeah, I started bowling, but it wasn't the, it wasn't my passion. But the fun of it all is certainly, you know, ingrained in us. And we were always music lovers. Uh, you know, if you grew up, my, my dad played the guitar and, uh, you know, chords, he, he wasn't a guitarist, right? but, uh, and he wrote songs when we were kids and, uh, you know, he always laughs his, you know, I wrote songs until I was actually in the business. And now I haven't r- written a single song in 31 years, you know, just the, the creativity went right into the business and it just, right. it. so, uh, no, I mean, it, we weren't bowlers, uh, <laughs> But we love the sport, mm-hmm. but we always, you know, I think that ended up being our advantage was that we didn't have a preconceived notion on what it should be. Right. And I think and, that's important. Right. My dad saw uh, bowling alleys as uh, glorified catering halls. Uh, this could be more fun than just a black box space in some hotel or or in a, uh, you know, Kiwanis club hall or, or right. you know, not is anything wrong with that, right? Sure. But there's, you know, he saw it as something better and and started tweaking and figuring out, okay, if I put a stage over here and I do live music, maybe people will see the party atmosphere. And that's kind of how it ended up being rock and ball.
0: Right. Well, and I love that. You know, just like people talk about uh, Chick-fil-A as being a customer service business that happens to have chicken. Happens
1: to serve chicken, right? right.
0: And I think that's what y'all are. You're this entertainment complex that happens to have bowling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's funny you mentioned Chick-fil-A. It, it When I when we when we uh, evacuated after Katrina, we ended up, uh, you know, my wife was four months pregnant for my youngest, Lola. Uh, so we had a almost two year old blaze, my son in the middle and an almost four year old uh, Piper who just graduated from high school this uh, this week Congratulations. or last week. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and she's actually going to stay here and she loves Lafayette now. So she's going to go to UL. Yay. Uh, Go Cajuns. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be a Cajun. So we, uh, we're here and we end up at the Chick-fil-A on ambassador because it had a little like play area. Right. And I gotta be honest with you. I had never eaten at a Chick-fil-A. I didn't know what, I didn't even know what it was. And, uh, but I saw a little mentally, mentally handicapped kid there, uh, that was wiping down the tables and, uh, and I'm, I'm watching as, you know, and look, not that he was doing some great job or at what he was doing, but he was doing it. And I could tell that there was something special about the guy that was running the place. And I didn't know at the time it was the manager or of the, or the franchise owner or what, you know, I, I didn't know, but I'm, I, it, it struck a chord with me because we had, uh, we were missing at the time, uh, uh, Murphy Hines, who was our, uh version of that right and it was a kid that grew up in the neighborhood at, at rock and bowl and uh you know instead of kicking him out we just gave him a job because he was always there so and then he ended up like having a little brother you know and and so but he's missing we can't find him we can't find his family and so i'm sitting there and i'm you know of course my wife and i start we, we, you know everybody's so emotional we got tears <laughs> in my eyes and i'm reading a uh, mural on the wall there about, uh, how, why, uh, Truett Cathy doesn't open on Sunday. And as I'm reading it, I turned to my wife because at the time I I had decided I wasn't going back. Like I'm not opening up Yale college. again, I I was so frustrated. I was, I was angry with the whole situation and, and quite honestly, I was bankrupt. I just hadn't filed the paperwork, you know, and, uh, I had no idea how I was going to get my family out of this hole. And my father had no idea either. And, uh, and so I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm reading his statement there. And I turned to my wife and I said, you know what? I'm going back. And this time we're going back. We're going to re- operate the restaurant, Yule College Inn, Tuesday through Saturday, 4 p.m. through 11 p.m. We're not going to do lunch. We're not going to do breakfast on Sundays. And we're going to do dinner only. And that's it. Five nights a week, we're going to give our staff. Everybody that's with us is going to be a permanent, you know, they're going to be a full-time employee. Uh, they're going to be a part of this team and this family. And we're going to go after it this, this way. You know, we're not going to run counter to every labor law. Right. in Because the, the restaurants are, are terrible when it comes to how the labor laws are written as opposed to what the expectation of a restaurant is in the market. Right. They don't, those two do not meet anywhere. So I said, no, that's what we're going to do. And, and if it doesn't work, I know I'm not cut out for this. Right. I'm just not going to do it. So we did it. And it turns out that, you know, up until the coronavirus hit, we (laughs) developed it into something that was doing, more sales Tuesday through Saturday, 4 p.m. through 11 p.m. than we were ever doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week before. Wow. Uh, our our team is way better. Uh, Chef Baker Guevara now ha- is at the helm. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, the people there are fantastic. Well, now we're in this, and I'm realizing that I was kind of – I forgot. I came to laugh yet and tried to be everything to everybody and open every single day of the week and tried to, you know. And now I'm realizing, no, go do what you do right, and and, and be great at it and then let the chips fall.
0: Right. That is amazing. I had no idea of that part of your story. Yeah. Um, have you ever circled back with John, the franchise owner in Lafayette, to say you have no idea what sitting at your place this one day did for my life and career? No. You should? No.
1: Would he love would to. love that story. I'd love to sit and talk with him. one yeah. day. I need to just go pop in.
0: Yeah, I think he'd appreciate that a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, Kay Foreman says, Johnny and his beautiful family are a true gift to Lafayette. So grateful that they are ours. <laughs> that is awesome.
1: awesome. Thank you, Kay. <laughs>
0: um, and Dana Higginbotham. sweetheart. Uh, yes. who lives downtown and actually works here, says resilience is key to overcoming effects of disasters, pandemics, and fluctuations in local economies. So thankful Rock and Bowl and Johnny are a part of my vibrant downtown. And yes, go Cajuns.
1: Thank you, Dana. <laughs> um, so
0: I think that, you know, what we're seeing is the impact now that you've had, not just in New Orleans, but also in Lafayette and, in your employees and in your families. So when you take that breath and you sit back and look at what you've built What's your proudest achievement?
1: Oh well, well, my family. Yeah, I mean, you know, business uh, is a major part of our family, of course, and all this ties together. I mean, you know, it's like when don't take it personal. It's just business. It's like no, the whole thing's personal. Right. You know, there. Uh, so yeah, the family. Uh, I'm truly blessed. My wife. Uh, you know, we. Uh, we've been married now to be 21 years coming up. And, uh, I, I don't know that I could have, you know, only God could line that up for me. Uh, she's been just whatever, it, whatever comes our way. She, she seems to be more even than I am and half the time I've created the problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, <sighs> Uh, maybe more than half the time, but, uh, you know. I, I've got a I've got a great uh, great family. Uh, my mother and father, uh, you know. So it's hard to say. Like I've got three best friends. I got my mother, father, and my my wife, and uh, and, and then so it's. I think that's probably the thing that I'm most grateful for. Uh, and, and you know, but when it comes to the business side of it, I think the really the special part is that the world walks through your door, so you 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 end up with friends across every political spectrum, every uh, walk of life. I mean, friends. You right. you build relationships that you in this business. Uh, I don't think there's anything like it, and I think that's probably what the the uh the addiction that most restaurateurs have that if you fall in love with the people that are coming in and out it's hard to ever want to do anything else right and uh and so you know i think that that's kind of where you know what drives all of us and and my whole family
0: yeah I think bowling alleys, in particular, must be a breeding ground for a special kind of guy. Uh, Michael's family had one in Morgan City growing up. Oh wow! As a family uh, business,
1: I, I, would, I would love. That's another thing. I'd love to chat about that one day. About growing up, uh, doing that. I'm sure there's a lot of parallels. Oh yeah. You know, you, you learn so much. I mean, you know, a bowling alley, and and I know Michael would would appreciate this, but. You know, a bowling alley, you're running. I mean, if you have 20 lanes, if you have eight, well, however many lanes you have, you're basically running 57 Chevys all day long. Meanwhile, so you've, you're in the mechanic business, right? Everything, everything needs to be maintained. It's always it's not that it's always breaking. It's that it's always being used. So you better you, you know, you you've got to fix things uh you're running acs they they do the same thing you got kitchen equipment they do the same thing you're constantly in a mechanic and maintenance business and then on the other side of it you're in the food business you're in this you're in the bar business but you're also you know you better take care of people uh you know so there's so many moving parts to the bowling business that yeah i guess it ends up being a a special breed the bet i think that uh that you know the ignorance to that and the up with my father and you know in particular on the front end. Thank God we were ignorant to all that at the time because right. I don't think I don't think we'd have done it. Right. Uh, but now it's just a way of life.
0: Yeah, you don't know any better. Right. So you you grow up loving baseball. Who yeah. are your favorite players? Schools? How long did you play? You know, tell me about your baseball life.
1: Oh wow! So uh, you know my. my so it was a genetic problem I mean, my my father uh, was a big baseball fan my grandfather was and you know way on back so uh, that's all we really that was always the focus in the family um, and it was you know we we had a blast doing it uh, you know I, I had favorite players you know never really because we didn't have a team in New Orleans I never really had a specific favorite team until will Clark came along and you know comes out of with high school in new orleans and then ends up at mississippi state and i'm watching the college world series and skip burtman is just getting started at the time at, at lsu and you know so now all of a sudden there's this energy building in south louisiana baseball uno had already made a trip to the college world series as well and so uh you know Tulane was always a, a really good program there was a lot going on there uh so it was it was something that had started to really take energy uh, in in my life watching college baseball. Mm-hmm. But then Will Clark, of course, comes along. and He's playing for the Giants, and I became a Giants fan, a Will Clark fan. And then you know, I, I, I wasn't. Uh, I guess maybe a couple of years into that, all of, we ended up uh, on the. I ended up on the same team with his little brother uh, for quite a while, and then we played against each other in high school. And then you know, he ended up at Mississippi State. I ended up at LSU uh, probably the biggest blessing of my life. Uh, you know, we, uh, I mean, next to my, my wife and my father, I think, uh, you know, Skip Bertman uh, you know, ended up having the biggest impact on me. Uh, I went to Rummel high school and played ball there and, uh, had a mediocre high school career. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then I, out of nowhere, I, I ended up with this, uh, a phone call saying, Hey, you, you know, a couple of things that happened in a draft and that year, that summer, and uh, it left a roster spot open. And I, I get this phone call, and uh, you know, how do you say no? I get right. a chance to go, so uh, I, I went. I went there, and uh, I ended up, you know, having that. I guess, I guess you could call it the golden birth date, where the stars aligned and the timing aligned up, where. Uh, I was a part of the '96 uh, national championship team, and then again the '97 championship team. So met a lot of great people, uh, played with a lot of great ball players. Uh, but I think the biggest impact was Skip. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, probably the uh, one of the toughest things is you you go from playing every day to uh, being on the bench and trying to work your way into a lineup and Uh, that of course taught me a lot, taught me a lot, a lot about what hard work really was. Uh, and I ended up, I tell this story all the time. I ended up on a bucket, you know, so I'm sitting (laughs) on a bucket because, you know, I made the mistake of, of making straight A's my first semester at, uh, in college. So, uh, that mistake meant that what I mean by that is that I, I go in for my little, uh, interview with skip about grades and skip says uh hey on the way out uh go talk to bio right so mike bianco who's now the old miss head coach uh is our assistant and mike was a catcher there at lsu a really good players his, his sons have, have gone on to be really good players so mike is standing outside and he says look uh this is this chart i need you to learn this chart this is how you do this so i'm, I'm looking at the chart and uh i'm thinking okay uh And then I don't see the chart for another month and a half. And then all of a sudden we're playing and I'm sitting on a bucket. Here's the chart again. And I realize this is the only chart we use in the game. The rest of these charts are to trade with other schools or to use later to figure out what had happened or, you know, all kind of other reasons. Right. This one's used in the game. So I'm sitting and it was it ended up it turned into. The best thing that could have happened. It was like getting an MBA in a dugout, listening to Skip go through the whole process of what he was thinking and all the coaches talking. And I'm sitting there, this little, you know, 18 year old kid that's never, you know, I didn't even know I I didn't even know what a chart was at the time, right? But I learned the chart and I did the chart. But that the chart was was the easy part. The or the chart was probably I guess it was the hard part. The easy part was listening. And learning what it takes to uh, work inside of an organization and communicate uh, and communicate effectively from one to the other, and I can't tell you that I've mastered that, but everything I do, if I do any of it well, it's because of him.
0: Well, that's an MBA at the knee of the master. Yeah, he
1: was he was great and right. uh, and the greatest the greatest leader I ever was ever around.
0: Oh, no doubt. It spoke volumes to me about his character, uh, that he showed up at Coach Robichaud's funeral.
1: That was a no brainer. Yeah. Uh he loved him. Uh they loved each other. Uh you know, as as heated as all of the uh that rivalry is, right, especially in the fan base. The fact is is that most of us on the field grew up in South Louisiana. Right. Especially in my era. Right. Uh, now it's a little different. Sure. But In my era, everybody we had all grown up playing with or against each other, knew each other very well. We were passionate as can be on the field, but off the field, we loved each other. So I mean, we wanted to we wanted to fight every time, right? But the I guess most of the time the fans don't see that that part that it's really because we know each other so well. (laughs) And, and we and we neither nobody wants to lose to each other. It has it has very little to do with LSU Tigers versus the Cajuns, you know. Right. So ninety six,
0: ninety seven. That's not the year of the benches clearing brawl, right? No, it happened that was 01. after. Okay. Uh
1: it, it 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 heated up over the years, but I got to tell you, it really it it was overblown, you know. <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's, there's just a bunch of great people on all right. those teams and coach Robichaux is a great leader, was a great leader. And his, right. and his boys are, are, you know, an example of that. And all the guys that have come through that program are an example of that. They're all over this community. That's been fun to be, to reunite with a bunch of guys here that I knew from that era or, uh, uh, you know, or, or admired from afar because of, you know, who they were, uh, uh, I was blessed to get the chance to actually talk to Coach Robe before he passed. He came and uh, spoke to a uh, to Katie Real Estate uh, up in, on our uh, second floor here in the ballroom right. for a uh, meeting, and then that you know that lasted about an hour. And then Coach Robe and I sat at the bar, and uh, we didn't even take a sip of water. By the way, we we sat there and Coach Robe and I talked for three hours. Oh yes, and it was. It was uh, great. I, I, I had al- I already respected and loved him. And after that, I was it was done. I, I, he's one of the he, I could tell he's one of the greats.
0: Right. Yeah. No, he definitely was. Uh, what were your favorite memories from Omaha?
1: Oh, man. You know, obviously the win uh okay other know, than
0: the rings what the, were your favorite yeah numbers? you end up
1: with but the the experience of that uh, community you know we were still playing back then at the old rosenblatt and so it sat in a neighborhood and next to the zoo uh in the omaha zoo so th- that that was really neat now it's neat because it's downtown and and there's all the the, the coolness of that too uh but the old rosenblatt that you were in a neighborhood and the community was basically putting the whole event on and, and the, all these people from Omaha uh, to see how they loved South Louisiana people. Well, because, you know, we had all made so many trips up there over the years, uh, you know, you hear about that kind of stuff. And then when you experience it, it it's, uh, it's overwhelming. I mean, who, none of us in South Louisiana grow up thinking that a Midwesterner, could have any hospitality whatsoever. Right. <laughs> but they do. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, the, uh, some of the moments, uh, behind the scenes, you know, with, uh, you know, some of the things guys said to each other during, in the heat of the battle, uh, to, to keep each other going that, you know, you kind of remember some of that, you know, that you never forget it. Uh, I remember jumping up in the back of the dugout in 97 when it, when it, when we won and crushing my head on a steel I-beam. And I'm the last one to get up and get out the dugout. I almost knocked myself out. <laughs> That's so funny. I remember stuff like that.
0: Right. We, um, we got to go to Pennsylvania for the Little League World Series uh, oh, back in 2011. I hadn't done that yet. Oh, it's the same kind of situation. The whole community comes together and everybody's united in this. You would think – the whole town sleeps the rest of the year that they, they just wake up for this one event uh, yeah. that it, they're all so engaged. Uh, it yeah. is, it's amazing. It really is.
1: It really is. It's that's why we all miss sports right
0: now. Right.
1: Because there's just, there's just something special about uh, the competition and, uh, and, uh, and the community that gets behind it and, uh, and admires and loves the people that are playing. Uh,
0: right. It's fun. Right. So you have a graduate this year um yeah. and so um, congratulations and i'm sorry <laughs> um what is your advice to this year's graduates
1: oh wow that's a heck of a question huh? i try uh believe uh pray uh pray it, you know don't lose sight of uh you know I, I know i'm gonna certainly step out here and give you some of my personal beliefs but i you know, oh, that'd be good. I've never uh never shied away from it in the past. Uh you know, I, I believe that God has a purpose for everybody's life. And and so don't lose sight uh in all the confusion and all the uh distractions of college life and then much less the business world once you get out uh into the business world that God's got a purpose for you. So uh pray about that. Uh stay faithful on it. Stay uh stay engaged with what he had. I'm not expecting him to speak to you. <laughs> you know, but, uh, Hey, this is God. That's not, that's not what I mean.
0: No big tablets uh, on the mountainside. Not right. That you just be,
1: okay. So you'll be surprised. Right. Exactly. So there's no, there's no big tablets, right? What, at least not in my life, not for me, but I've noticed that every time I've prayed about something, every time I've, uh, And I'm going to steal this from Skip because I think it is a prayer. Uh, Anything you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe and enthusiastically act upon, making the wisest decisions possible every day, must absolutely must come to pass. So since I know that's true, then I know that that's a lot about commitment. And so when you I think the graduates this year, especially this year, have to remember That if I commit to something and I work hard enough, no matter what happens in the world, it can still happen. And all sorts of things are going to come into your path that if you've been praying on it and if you've been imagining it, these little things that God throws into your path, people, unforeseen assistance, uh, that's part of him helping you get to where you're supposed to be. Uh, so I, I think that that's probably the best advice I could give. Uh, you know, there's a great quote about, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but uh, until one commits oneself, providence moves too, uh, and all sorts of things come into one's life uh, of material assistance and and the people in their lives, like I was saying, uh, that when you look back, you, there's no way you could have ever foreseen it. And there's no way you can, uh, quantify it or, t- or, or, or say, oh, it's because I did this, that this good thing happened to me. And I think out of tragedy, we, we often, uh, lose sight of that when, it's usually the biggest opportunity coming. Right. So, you know, I'm going to give it to you this way. We uh, Everything's flooded. We end up underwater. We do end up going back. So to think that I wasn't supposed to sit in that Chick-fil-A that day, would you know, because there, there's a reason God sent me to that Chick-fil-A. I don't go to Chick-fil-A's otherwise. Right. It wasn't something I was used to doing or had ever done before. But I wind up there that day. I see that, uh, you know, we talked about it before. I see the mentally handicapped kid. I, I read at Cathy's statement. And all of a sudden, I, I'm off in a different direction. I get back. We get rock and ball open. And this guy I knew from years ago, and I had become friends with, happens to be the vice president of Entergy, and I need my power turned on. And there's no power anywhere in the area. But because of this circumstance one day that's really not a circumstance, that I knew this guy, I called him, and he pulled a string. And then we had to actually go get somebody to actually go up on the pole, but he got power to that area. And then on the backbone of that infrastructure going in, the entire mid city area ended up getting power months and months in advance of everybody else. So four other businesses on Carrollton end up being able to open, not because of me, because God had put a relationship in my life. Right. So a day later after opening, I. I'm just charged up. I go into College Inn and I start rebuilding College Inn and the and when I pull up, Ronnie Taylor, my electrician, and the whole deal, he's already waiting. He says, "I knew you'd be here today. I came. Here's breakfast." Okay, so people like that in your life, right. you don't who builds those kind of nobody. You don't manipulate your way into people like that. Then within within a few hours. A guy that is still working with me today, just built the cockadoodle convent out in a parking lot at uh here in Lafayette, my chicken coop, right? right. Jason Bretell comes pulling into town from Savannah to come back to help his parents and, and sees me, pulls over and says, I can help you at night. He's a carpenter. I don't have any carpenters. I'm using a I got a hammer and nail. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. He shows up, before you know it, I've got a daytime crew, a nighttime crew, and then with under ni- in under ninety days. I'm the first flooded restaurant open. Wow. So I did that? No. No. God so every, that.
0: every time I schedule one of these interviews, uh, mostly with the girls, I'm um, asked, you're not going to embarrass me and you're not going to make me cry. And I always say, no, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you cry. I've never asked a guest to make me that same promise. <laughs> so. Johnny Blanchard, thank you for preaching this morning. That was beautiful.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. And, and All right. I didn't know this was going this way. Well, right, thank goodness we're <laughs> down to
0: our final two chords because I got to go get some tissue in a minute. That was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. All right. Our lightning round, my friend. Um, your favorite place on earth.
1: Ah! <sighs> oh, wow. Omaha,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> movie you can't turn off.
1: Field of Dreams.
0: Hell yeah. TV show to binge.
1: Oh, TV show to binge. What if I? Oh, I'm guilty. Uh, uh. Oh Jesus, what's it? I gotta ask my wife for help. <laughs> no, the. Uh... The, the other, one, the other one. justify justify oh that's a good answer
0: <laughs> that is a good answer favorite book
1: uh besides the bible of course uh 21 irrefutable laws of leadership oh that john is john maxwell good
0: one i'm putting that on the list um favorite podcast
1: oh wow now it's this one because I don't have one.
0: <laughs> well, good. You can so make now it this one. This is it. I'm totally fine with that. And I'm
1: sorry that it's by default, but I, I'm, okay I'm, it. It. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm loving it.
0: I'm okay with uh, it. Favorite car?
1: Oh, wow. Here, I'm going to show myself again. My my favorite car, I, I used to own one. It's an F350 diesel uh, 7.3, Ooh. 2001. Uh, dually that i i miss dearly i can't believe i sold it
0: traded him for a minivan with the
1: kids (laughs) something like that yeah
0: Yeah, you and michael can talk later because he had this dodge ram truck that he loves so much and um, he's still sad and missing it
1: i admire sports cars i love the whole deal but it's not me sure
0: sure favorite festival
1: oh wow uh it's jazz fest uh You know, I'm gonna show my my New Orleans boy uh, as it should be. You grew up
0: with it, absolutely. Okay, but now here you really have to pick amongst your kids' favorite musician.
1: Oh wow! I know it's a tough one. Okay, so uh, the nationally recognized, the the big big guys, uh, Springsteen, uh, is got to be it for me. Uh, Have you ever met him? No, but my my wife basically did. She jumped on stage with him and had one of those uh, uh, Courtney Cox moments. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. She she got his button off his shirt. So let's put Ooh, it, you know.
0: okay. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's impressive. She
1: she forgot the checkbook uh, for Katrina, but she remembered to take Springsteen's button to Lafayette.
0: Priorities. I think she's got him in the right place, man. <laughs> um, if you're gonna do karaoke, what song are you gonna sing?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, what's our song? What's the, what's the, the uh, Dolly Parton, uh, Kenny Rogers? Islands in the Stream. Islands in the Stream. Yes! We do it as a duet.
0: As you should. <laughs> all right. We're totally getting together with y'all for dinner when all this is over. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> Not that we're good at it. We're terrible.
0: No, no, no. That makes <laughs> it if even I'm better. solo,
1: I'll probably do Glory Days with a couple oh, of the bands. Nice. Okay. And nice. that that happened that happened for the first time with the Molly Ringwalls right after one of the national championship games. They called me up on the stage oh. and said, S- "Let's sing Glory Days." I said, "Okay." Turns out they didn't know the song. <laughs> okay, so I said, "Gosh, you asked me to come up here. Not only I'm bad enough." Oh, that is awesome. So it's turned awesome. into a thing. I don't ever sing it again with the Molly Ringwalls. That'll sure. never happen again. But, sure, You know, mixed nuts. There's a few others of uh, right.
0: I saw Springsteen in 84 with the Born in the USA tour. I was a freshman in high school. Iconic. Yes. Iconic. Um,
1: yeah. it, it's it, If you're not a Springsteen fan, you just got to go see him live, and then it changes everything.
0: Everything. Everything. That was awesome. That is awesome. Um, I'm going to assume favorite sport is baseball, unless you want to prove baseball. me wrong. Okay. Yeah. Um, favorite meal. Favorite food. Favorite like thing you're going to have to eat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a, a standard favorite and, uh, and it's, it's a, it's coursed out. It's, uh, it's a course of, it's a blue cheese wedge. So an iceberg or butter lettuce, either one iceberg wedge, blue cheese dressing, blue cheese crumbles, uh, and cherry, uh, little cherry tomatoes that we grow on the farm, uh, and at college in. And then, uh, the second course is what we call the Cartwright's fillet. So it's a tenderloin. Uh, with sautéed spinach and garlic, uh, very simple pleasure. Uh, no sauce, no nothing. Just the salt and pepper, mm. simple stuff. Uh, and then the third course is a uh, is a glass, a big, big glass of port. Ooh,
0: yeah, we're definitely getting <laughs> together for dinner after this. <laughs> um, favorite way that you treat yourself?
1: Oh wow. Um, Man, it's it's probably the the chair massage the, at a uh, at a at a Whole Foods that has one, where it's ten minutes for twenty bucks, while everybody else goes in grocery shopping. Uh, Whole Foods here in Lafayette doesn't do it, but I've popped in a few across the country here and there, a few in New Orleans that do it, and when I see that massage that chair massage, uh. That's all I need is 10, 15 minutes.
0: That's awesome. And your favorite concert that you've ever attended live in person?
1: Well, it is Springsteen in I the figured. arena in New Orleans. But uh Which you know, tour? I, uh that was uh the E Street Band reunion tour. Okay. Uh the uh however I, I will say that I have I have a favorite uh, rock and bowl, and unfortunately he's he's deceased now, but uh, once a month, we had Snooks Eaglin, oh. and uh, he's a you know blind black guitarist from St. Rose, Louisiana. And Snooks, uh, and, and look, there's a lot of great ones in this, in this whole area, but everybody knows who this guy is that is from you know in the music in South Louisiana. And Snooks was uh, was great every single month for you know the 15 years that that we had him in. Right, unbelievable.
0: That is awesome. Johnny, I'm shocked to say it's been an hour.
1: Oh, wow. um,
0: this has been the greatest way to spend a Wednesday. Thank I you. cannot thank you enough for I taking us all to church.
1: I can't thank you enough, Jackie. I am I'm, I'm blessed to uh to be here in Lafayette and have people like you uh in this community doing these kind of things for people is uh is is special and it and it's why we're here and and living here and. And going to stay.
0: Well, man, we're glad to have you as a part of this town and have your family as our neighbors. Um, Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And to all of you watching, thanks for watching. I hope you learned something great about Johnny Blanchard, um, his faith, his values, his business, and why you need to support Rock and Bowl and Yule Cottage Inn and Mid-City Lanes and any other way you can support that family every time. Um, Thank y'all for being with us for your questions and comments on the Facebook stream and uh, feel free to come back on Friday. We're going to be talking to Ashley Mudd uh, and her role with Leadership Institute of Acadiana and Leadership Lafayette program and talk about what they did when they had to go virtual. So thank y'all very much and uh, we'll see you next time.